the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The news never stops. Life goes on around town and around the world. You need a talk show that keeps track of it. A program with bold opinions that's always open to your views. That is this show. Welcome to the Mark Davis Show on 660 AM. The answer. Hour number two. Glad to have you here on this Valentine's Day, Wednesday, February 14th, 2024. Glad you are here the bumper music library filled with love songs of particular value to Lisa and me because that's my uh, my love wheelhouse. Anyway, all those are coming up. Also coming up, uh, topically speaking, this is going to be great finally. At 8.35, guess who's on the show from that Senate District 30 race where the uh, freshly Paxton-hating Drew Springer is hanging it up. Uh, and Brent Hagenboo, the presumed frontrunner with all kinds of, uh, of uh, uh, endorsements from Abbott to, to uh, uh, Dan Patrick to Perry. Uh, Cornyn, I might want to ask him about that one this morning. Um, anyway, though, we'll ask him about a lot of things. There are a lot of issues in every state Senate race. But the the pesky one here that his... Uh, Opponents, Dr. Demur and uh, Mr. Yarbrough and Mr. Clark have wanted to ask is, do you actually live in the district? And, you know, my short book on this is I, I don't get all twisted up so much about this. If if you're, you know, within a, a, a couple of miles of the district, have a business. And if it's within the law, I mean, in the, in, the, in Congress, you, don't, you just have to live in the state. You don't have to live in the district at all. In the Texas Senate, you do. So it's been about whether a portion of his business, which is in the district, he lives in Tan Parker's 12th district, but if, if the business is there, is that enough? Or if you can carve out a corner of the business and say you've got a coffee maker and a bed in there, can you say you live there? How often do you have to live there? So anyway, uh, Alan Blakemore, his very talented representative, was on with us some weeks back, and I asked him, how many nights has Brent slept at that address in the last year? And he said, I don't know. I bet Brent knows, so I will ask him. And we will also actually ask him about various things like borders and school choice and all manner of things that are actual Texas Senate issues. Might talk a little bit about Brother Paxton as well and would he have uh would he have voted to impeach? Um let's let's cover so anyway, Brent Hagenboo at eight thirty-five. Looking forward to that. Um couple of uh, stories of a couple of uh, Twitter uh, back and forths. Let's show you mine first or the one between Paxton and Cornyn. <laughs> Let's do mine first because that's what something I, I talked about uh, just as the last hour closed. Because this one is about something really broad and societal. Okay. I approach everything in terms of, uh, of race with how to make um, – with, with a heart for making race relations better. All right. Everything. Uh, honest dialogue, uh, backing up what I say, but letting others do the same. Welcoming people of every race and every persuasion and every opinion to the show. I think just, and doing so with goodwill. Uh, if I disagree with something, saying why. Having people call me and tell me why they disagree with things. It just, that's how I've conducted my whole life 
not just professional life, but personal life. And I think that, that, by the way, this is not like I'm a swell person 101. I think this is the way to be. I think this is the way to be if you really want race relations to improve. That's why the last couple of days have been really, I want to say weird. I, I don't know what may, why this got to me, but it, it shines a huge light on this. And so I want to share this with you. And I don't need to do an hour on it or anything like this, but this is just so emblematic of the problem, and I'm trying to make the problem better. It all it all starts with something that showed that we may not have the problems that so many people think we have. It is a cancer on modern society that we have so many people interested in needlessly fomenting racial discord, right? The needless stoking of fires of racial discord in 2024 is a poison. There are tons of people who are trying to do it. Mostly it's about, because again, ain't nothing about race anymore for the most part. It's all about politics. It's about political power. So on the Grammys, some, some days ago, in this now legendary moment, and it deserves to be legendary, of country star Luke Combs performing Fast Car, written by Tracy Chapman uh, in the late 80s. And so here's here's a black woman songwriter who whose, whose song was given fresh life and fresh attention by a big old doughy white country star. <laughs> and Luke Combs is awesome, by the way. Uh, and and what's not to love? It's it's a it was a beautiful musical moment when the song was released. It became a massive hit. Uh, Tracy Chapman could probably buy a couple of Bentleys as a result of some fresh royalties off of that because she wrote it. And that's how you make it a money by writing. Uh, so what's not to love? And yet people found things not to love. There was like appropriation. What's this white guy doing appropriating this this black woman song? And I'm first thing I thought when I talked about that when it came out was, uh, please, please appropriate anything I ever write would be the attitude of almost any songwriter of any color at any time, because your appropriation means royalty checks for me. It was a stupid non-controversy. So the stupidity of it was laid bare when on the Grammy stage, the incredibly irrepressibly happy Luke Combs performing with the beautifully grateful, uh, Tracy Chapman, grateful not just for Luke having, you know, breathed fresh life into her song, but the opportunity to be there on the Grammy stage with him. It was, it was beautiful on top of beautiful on top of beautiful. Now, where am I going? Where does this go wrong? <laughs> wait for it. Wait for it. So as as a, a week passed, I guess, I think Luke just wanted to uh, to just sort of tie a bow around it. And he wrote as follows. What an unreal Grammy week to say the least. There were so many laughs, tears, hugs, and cheers that it almost doesn't seem real. From the hotel hangs and rehearsals to the dinners and post-show pizza, the vibes were high. I want to thank my whole team for working tirelessly to make this happen, and my wife for always being by my side. I love you. When it comes to the performance, it's still hard to process how amazing it was to be up there on that stage. No doubt a defining moment of my career. Tracy, I want to send my sincerest thanks to you for allowing me to be a part of your moment. Thank you for the impact you've had on my musical journey and the musical journeys of countless other singers, songwriters, musicians, and fans alike. I hope you felt how much you mean to the world that night. 
We are all, we were all in awe of you up there. And I was just the guy lucky enough to have the best seat in the house. Beautiful, right? There's a gentleman named Franklin Leonard, who is, I guess, an African-American film and TV producer, Vanity Fair contributing editor, which might be all you need to know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I don't know why I saw his post. I don't follow him to know who he was. That beautiful thing that I just read from Luke Combs. You ready? Mr. Leonard posts, it seems he really does get it. Lovely stuff. It seems he really does get it. Lovely stuff. And I saw that, and I looked at it again, and I thought I would weigh in. I don't reply to people often at all. I repost things and attach my thoughts because I don't really need to do a lot of back and forth. I mean, I love being here on the show. My, my life is back and forth. But I don't need to engage a whole lot of people directly. This gentleman absolutely had to. I wrote, if it's so lovely, why not afford Luke Combs benefit of the doubt for getting it from the get-go rather than starting from an obvious default of racial skepticism? It seems he really does get it. What kind of grudging, passive-aggressive stance is that? We urgently need more goodwill. Got it? Didn't expect a reply. Got one. He said, because I'm generally skeptical of people's motives, especially given particular historical dynamics, it's the rational approach. My faith is earned by good works. Welcome to why we can't have nice things. He's generally skeptical of people's motives given particular historical dynamics. I'm sorry. So because of what? Because slavery and Jim Crow happened, Luke Combs must be trying to gaslight you into admiring Tracy Chapman. You can't start with a base from, from a starting block of goodwill for a guy you don't know and have no reason to be suspicious of in the least. Welcome to today's problem. So I replied. Presuming the worst in people is not necessarily rational. Better to start with a base coat of goodwill and assign ill intent with evidence rather than the other way around. The automatic presumption of racism is poisonous. He replied, the penalty for ignoring history is higher. Ugh. Well, we're underway now. I replied, no one suggests ignoring history. The decision to cherry-pick history, to baselessly presume bad intent in 2024, is an impediment to improving race relations, which I assume most people want to do. Sometimes I'm mistaken about that. He replied, one need not cherry-pick history to come to the rational conclusion that skepticism may have been advisable in this situation. <laughs> one more round I said you doubted the goodwill of Luke Combs for no reason one could ask who is the racist in this chapter 
We should always call out prejudice when we find it. But a default setting of goodwill is the path forward, if one is interested in that path. And he replied, quote, you're the real racist, like clockwork. In other words, my calling him a racist is like just my natural default setting. Well, and, and with that, I figured it's good to be done. First of all, I appreciate it. It was actual substantive back and forth. Uh, the difference between Mr. Leonard and me is I do not confer a charge of racism without evidence. And he does. He saw Luke Combs and Tracy Chapman and figured that big white guy has got to when his appreciation. It must be phony. He, he can't really be appreciating on Tracy Chapman. It can't be real as a big white guy. Mr. Leonard is the racist here. And so that one thing is that well, it, it seems he really does get it. Oh, how much groveling do we have to do in order to make Mr. Leonard think that we, quote unquote, get it? And Luke Combs did not grovel. He showed genuine, sincere appreciation. But that wasn't good enough until he did it like the fifth or sixth time because Mr. Leonard is interested in stoking the fires of needless racial discord because of, oh, I don't know, history. And again, history is important. Nobody should ignore our, our often troubled history, but cherry picking that history in order to spread bad blood in 2024. That's, that's a problem. All right. Uh, I mentioned yesterday, Ken Paxton's tweet about, uh, about John Cornyn's vote that cares more about Ukrainian borders than American borders. Um, John Cornyn couldn't let it go. <laughs> I'll share that with you next, 822. And that would not do justice to the way I feel for you. 1988. So I had to sing a song about all the things I knew. The great Randy Travis. My love is deeper than the holler. The Valentine's Day bumper library. Deeper than the holler. Higher than the pine trees grow. All upon the hill My love is purer Than the snowflakes That fall in late December And honest as a robin On a springtime windowsill Let's let him finish And longer than the song Of a whippoorwill yeah, How many songs contain the, uh, the species of whippoorwill? Alrighty, Greatness of Randy Travis Alright, so uh, here we go <laughs> Here we go. So chapter one, John Cornyn joins other America last dinosaurs in 95 billion for Ukraine with insufficient attention to the American border. Uh, curiously hopping on the pile on is Attorney General Ken Paxton, who a, a ton of with a bunch of people think is going to primary Cornyn or run for that seat in 26, whether Cornyn runs or not. Because here's Ken Paxton saying, this is a question all Texans should be asking. It's unbelievable that John Cornyn would stay up all night to defend other countries' borders, but not America. Okay. What does Cornyn do? What would you think Cornyn would do? My thought is he's been a senator forever, seems to be pretty chill about most things, probably just kind of let that go. Whatever. Nope. Senator John Cornyn. Ken 
Your criminal defense lawyers are calling to suggest you spend less time pushing Russian propaganda and more time defending longstanding felony charges against you in Houston, as well as ongoing federal grand jury proceedings in San Antonio that will probably result in further criminal charges. Whoa, what? What? So, um, the worst part of that is not the Paxton hatred. Whatever, that's garden variety Paxton hatred. But opposing forever war makes you a Russian propagandist now? Oh my. One of two things is true. Either that Paxton Cornyn primary is on like Donkey Kong, or he ain't running. Has no intention of running. Because like Drew Springer, who's not running, There's just an interesting dynamic in the increasing number of people who simply just do not care anymore at all about alienating conservatives. So, all right, let's see how that works out for everybody. Brent Hagenboo with us, uh, running for the Drew Springer vacancy in Senate District 30. He's next. It's 831. Mark Davis. Here's Nikki Whaley in the newsroom. The Valentine's Day Library continues. Frampton comes alive. Baby, I love your way. All righty. Uh, speaking of love, all the political junkies have to love primary season. How many races are there to keep track of? One of the more interesting, Senate District 30, Drew Springer coming out. And I guess four folks looking to come in, Brent Hagenboo and Carrie Damore and Jay Yarborough and Cody Clark. They've all been on, and it's time to come around in the rotation to Mr. Hagenboo. And it's a pleasure to have Brent back on the show. Welcome, sir. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Hey, Mark, let me just hit the beginning here that, like I said before, I really love your show. I'm a big fan. Um, before we get started, can I just say, you know, did you see the news where we got some more endorsements? I did. Uh, feel, feel free, but as, as if you didn't have enough. Senator, I mean, you had you had Perry, yeah. you had, Perry, you had uh, Abbott, uh, you had uh, Dan Patrick, so knock yourself yeah, out. Who else you got? Six conservative senators, a whole bunch now. We added uh, Senator John Cornyn and Commissioner Don Buckingham, so... Uh, great news for our campaign. We're rolling along. Very cool. Uh, and and I, I love, I have my requisite love for Cornyn as well, but it's just the. Well, you can say that, but it's more about people believing in, you know, and I think we have a great number. Well, and it's funny. In the endorsement game, I've often found that just because somebody endorses you, that means that they support everything. And that doesn't mean you necessarily agree with everything back at them in the other direction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I tell you, on that subject, is. Everybody, Drew Springer headed out. This is the seat you look to occupy. Says he wants to impeach Paxton again. Do you agree with that? Well, first, let me say it's a great honor to be endorsed by Drew. He really thought just about before he endorsed me. And and um, I think the reason is, is I've been all around the district with him and met people in all the towns and the 11, in 11 counties. And what, what you see with Drew is that he's committed to the people in the various towns around around the district. I mean, Wichita Falls, Frisco, Denton, Graham, Jacksboro, Archer City, Henrietta, we've been to all of them. And those people know him and know that he's interested in issues and opportunities there, and he's worked on them. You know, Drew initiated SB 22 also, which is Lieutenant Governor bumped up and pay. It's the it's the bill that gives additional funding to, to uh, local sheriff's offices. And they're, the sheriffs, I've talked to all the sheriffs, many of them endorsed me, and they really believe in that. They needed that, and they know okay. that I'm going to follow up right. on that. But, but in terms of in terms of the, the impeachment, um, look, this, I'll be honest with you. The way I feel about impeachments, I think a lot of Republicans do, is that we've had about enough Republican impeachments 
here. Uh, I think we should move on to people's business. Although um, I feel differently about Democrat impeachment. I'm glad to see that impeachment <laughs> I was going to say it depends. It's a yeah. it's a case by case basis. But I think we talked yeah. about this first time. You had you been in the Senate, you would not have voted to convict Ken Paxton, correct? No, I, what I told you is I, I was I was focused on being the Denton County Republican Party chairman and just getting mm-hmm. good people elected. Seriously, because Denton County had been running going downward. Uh, towards being blue, and we turned that corner under my my watch as a Denton County Republican Party chairman. So I, I seriously didn't get into all details of that. The best thing I, I listed at the end, and then the governor talked about some things about, you know, some lessons learned. I think that the best thing to think about is, you know, look forward and how we can do things better. And he talked about about uh, due process and making sure we have due process going forward. And I think I talked to you last time a little bit about just in general, my overall thought on this, and not specific to this case, is that, you know, it just all, all of us as elected officials need to hold ourselves at the highest level. I think I talked about my name of the company is Titus Transport. Titus, after the book in the Bible. And then there it talks about the qualifications of an elder. And then, you know, it talks about, you know, um, all the things, you know, good business, good in business, uh, fair, raise your family well, you know, good, good with your family, number of important qualities. I think we as elected officials need to hold ourselves to that high level and, um, you know, we can avoid some issues. And uh, so there's no even, no, even in perception of even propriety or anything like that. Gotcha. Brent Hagaboo is here, candidate for Senate District 30. Speaking of the business, <laughs> let's get, we've got to take care of the, the residential elephant in the room. Uh, how do you live at the business? What's the residency thing? Do you live in the district? Ah, well, there you go again. Now, Mark, yes. I, you know, I spend a lot of time on the silly residency claim. Mm-hmm. My opponents are pushing, you know, it's a pretty well-known Political tactic that, that this um, never works. I think you've probably seen it before. Look, I'm going to spend a couple of minutes on this, um, but and then in all fairness, you know, I think you've given my opponents a chance to right. talk about their backgrounds, and um, I think oh, we, really we, 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 we have pl- we have plenty of time. Do you live in the district? Okay, so in residence, let me just say, um, I'll give you some facts. I'm a legal resident of SD30. Mm-hmm. I'm eligible to run, and the courts have continued to affirm that. And, and I'll step back and give you some details. This is kind of personal, but I'll go ahead and do it. Um, a couple of years ago. Our family went through some really difficult times. It was it was very painful. Um, my daughter and my grandkids came to live with us at our house in Little Elm, and, and you know we were happy to have them. And, and you know you do whatever your family needs, and mm-hmm. uh, they were a joy to have. But and then thankfully God has been really really good. Mark, I mean, he's he's healed uh, the family. Uh, I'm so proud of my daughter. She's uh, worked on herself, and she's now and actually in, in the counseling, uh, studying to be a counselor at UNT in their great um, counseling program there. And she's in her last year doing the internship at Friends of the Family, lots of work with help other other women. And so they're doing better. And so um, we said last year, you know, it's probably about time for us to kind of give them some freedom, freedom to live there and us as well. So uh, we moved to Denton. It's only about 10, 15 minutes away, so we can still spend time helping develop all the kids and all that, which we, we love and want to continue to do that. Um, we moved to Denton and to SD30 uh, the first week of October. That was like a month before Drew or anybody knew he was going to announce. And after Drew decided not to run, Pat Fallon as well, then, then people started to come to me and ask, you know, would you consider running? They said, hey, you're a true conservative. You worked hard in the Republican Party and led it well. You're a precinct chair before that. Um, you're a Naval Academy graduate, uh, served honorably in the Navy as a CB, and then um, you're a great businessman. You build a big business. You'd be a great senator. Would you consider it? And so Gene and I, when we prayed about it, thought about it hard. He said, okay, let's move forward. And then, and then the, I didn't know all these folks, but the endorsements just started rolling in from the governor and kind of governor, like I say, six conservative state senators, Rick Perry, uh, and a number of, I mean, all of the conservative organizations. I think you 
you were at Texas Values when we had, mm-hmm. they've endorsed me. And then mm-hmm. pro-life organizations, police associations. So we're off to the races. Um, you know, my opponents like Trump, no, not on the front runner. And um, they're trying all kinds of tactics not to allow the voters to have a chance to choose me. As, and I think, um, I think the voters will see that I'm not only qualified, but by far the most qualified candidate. So, so the- I'm focused on running a positive campaign. I believe we're on a strong front runners and widen the gap. How about we move on to give, give our listeners some information about the, how to decide whether I'm the most qualified. I, ab- I absolutely will. Last thing on this is, has the whole residency thing been kind of silly? Mark, if, if, it is, if it is, that's, a, that's really all I want to say. If it is, that's, that's enough on that. Let's just move on. Really? I have one final question. Has the whole thing been kind of silly? Because does, I, I'm I'm the guy who has said, I don't really care if, if I have a candidate who's the best guy and he has a business that's yeah, in the district and et cetera, et cetera. That, but but the, it, it, in, indeed yeah. so. But it, so do we need to kind of change any kind of the laws where people don't have to go through what you've had to go through? Because, I, I mean, because a lot of people, I mean, because how many nights have you slept in the district in the last year? Since October, like I told you. Yes. And so, yeah, so it's, it's ridiculous, yeah, and and um, my phone has been very invasive with, with a number of things, and it's, so it's just not not been fun. But hey, you, you know I'm tough. I've been in the military. <laughs> I've taken fire, so uh, I can handle this stuff. If you're gonna sign up for something like this, uh, you gotta be able to handle these things, and and, and, and I can. So I'm not, I don't expect it to be the only kind of silly tactic that folks will try. You know, like I said, it's like Trump. They they see him the front runner, and they you know I don't blame them entirely. They're being led by political consultants. Uh, to, to try various tactics uh, to, to uh, throw the things off. But I mean, we're so, we're doing so well with so many endorsements um, and I, everything I'm seeing here and back, um, I think, you know, we're, we're it's going to be pretty hard to beat us. One of the endorsements is Governor Abbott, who has just had an amazing few months of, uh, I mean, sure it goes has. back Absolutely. with months of the, the busloads of folks to various cities, to the showdown with the federal government down there at the at the park in Eagle Pass. What's been your take yeah. on that? And then the governor's stance on that. Is that something that you align yourself with? Oh, man, I'm so proud of the governor. Um, he'll be standing up to the federal government, you know, um, and I'll, I'll be the one who stands in most of them. You know, I was reading something about the a court of appeals. There was a, a, a brief file there. And it, talk, it used the founding documents and said clearly that the governor possesses the authority under the U.S. Constitution, not just, not just Texas, to make the determination if the state is being invaded and decide how best to repel the invasion. And he's doing that. And we need to all, you know, there's 10 the state governor, governors that are standing with him. In fact, I think just today, Governor Kemp in Georgia said he's sending the troops because he's sick and tired of what Biden, Biden won't do it either. So if the U- U.S. government won't do it, and it's time. And we had the right under U.S. Constitution and the governor standing, he's all standing with him. This is a historic time, I think, um, seriously, in this in this state, in this country, where we need to stand. This, this invasion, there was 10 million illegals that have come across the border since Biden started. That's like the size of the eighth largest state. It's ridiculous. It's time for it to stop. The no one will be more firm with the government to stop this thing. Texas has to do it. It's terrible. We spent like $5 billion of taxpayer dollars on this that's the, I mean, I'm in the side of the government and taxes, but that's one thing that we'll keep funding. It's been, it's been money used for building the wall, you know, putting buoys up, concertina wire, additional manpower technology. I'll continue to both of those kind of things. If the government signed SB4, which is a great bill, it gives our our law enforcement the right to deport illegals across the border illegally. So um, that's great. And there's other things that we can do, I think, um, in the next session, uh, um, the creative things. I think they thought about a border protection unit. I'd be all for that in the next session. They didn't mm-hmm. pass it last time. Yep. But the biggest thing we can do, 
biggest thing we all can do is go out and vote for Donald Trump because that's how we're going to get over. He had it secured through a variety of methods, you know, pushing, pushing uh, Mexico as well as building the border. So let's all get out and vote for uh, Donald Trump for president. Brent Hagenboo is here, Senate District 30. Let's cover a couple of other Austin-based things that are probably going to continue to be a big deal. And, and speaking of Governor Abbott, he's gotten in, and this doesn't happen often, coming in and challenging some incumbents over his thought about school choice. I'm, I mean, I'm hearing all the ads and are a bunch of folks who are, I guess, against school choice, saying the school choice have put uh, money in the hands of illegal immigrant students. Just if, if you'd been in the Senate and if you're looking to get there, as you obviously are, what's your thought on, on the whole school choice overview? Yeah, great question. It's very important. <clears throat> Look, at, I'm a big proponent of, 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 a school, of, of public schools. You know, we have to have those to have a, a, a good functioning republic, right? So we know that. And I, I'm not a product of a public school. I came out of a small farm town uh, and, and uh, graduated from there at a public school. My wife was a school teacher. Uh, she taught second and fourth grade. And, uh, you know, I just really believe school teachers are super important. Um, and we have to pay them well. Um, but look, when 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 the school, when the government's indoctrinating our kids, when, that, when some school system is doing this, where they're indoctrinating with this woke, godless, Marxist philosophy, then the parents should have a right to choose. So I'm a, I'm a supporter of the governor's choice program. But but I um but like I say, I think I think we can both fully fund public schools as well as. Uh, as well as uh, have the school choice initiative. And, and, and there's a lot of rural districts in my, in my district, a lot of rural counties and, and towns and areas. And I know how important the rural uh, you know, high school is, the local community high school, the public high school. And um, hey, my town, there's everything revolved around the, the high school. I understand that. So we'll, we need to work to make sure those rural rules are protected in the process. But um, yes, I'm, I'm going to support the governor on his school choice program. You know, and, and the thing is, I was talking to the Lieutenant governor about this. We can, he has continued over the last 10 years to increase teachers pay by, I think just 30% over the last years, as well as cut taxes. And that's because of the great Texas economy. That's why as a businessman, you know, I, I, we have 750 tractor trailer drivers in our company serving 1500 grocery stores across the country. We do $170 million in revenue. The, um, uh, and 900 employees. I know how to, as a businessman, create jobs. And we need to keep this Texas economy going to help Texas families offset the impact of Biden's inflation. But if we can do that, you know, I, I was going through the budget with the lieutenant governor. We can continue to increase funding for public schools and cut taxes. So, um, you know, I think my first priority is the border. Next one is making sure we keep this Texas economy running strong for the reasons I just said. Last thing is invoking the lieutenant governor. He seems very plugged into, and it's all, you know, all over the show and all over the, the Texas Republican landscape and the legislative landscape. It seems like the Senate, led by Patrick, is one thing. It has a certain type of conservatism, and the House is just a whole other smoke. The Dade Phelan thing, the Democrat chairs. Do you view the Austin, where you seek to go get a job as a, as a senator in District 30, as a place where you have a pretty conservatively run Senate? and a house that just has some ideological problems with Dade feeling as speaker, or do you view it differently? Well, um, look, I'm, I've just gotten to know the Lieutenant governor and we've talked about every other day for a while here. And, and I'm really aligned with him. Uh, uh, he, he, he's, I think he's great for Texas uh, and, and, and conservative as heck. And so am I. So yeah, I'm going to decide what the Senate has been doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you know, you know, Mark, you and I both know that the way that the founders set this up was for the, the House and the Senate probably to be at odds a little bit, um, you know, uh, which is, uh, which is, you know, maybe the way it should be sometimes. So, um, but in terms of, you know, my perspective is, I'm, uh, I think that the, the Senate was what 
uh, the folks who did the right things. There were some things that did not get passed uh, through the House that the Senate passed. Like there was, I think, four or five billion dollars for Texas teachers' pay increases, like we were just talking about with schools, and didn't go through. We we need to get that kind of thing done. A little lightning round to wrap up. Uh, here comes casino gambling. Everybody, the lobbying, the money spent, uh, casino gambling for Texas. Good idea, bad idea. Bad idea, I think, for Texas. We we better than that. We let let some other states do that. When we take a look at at the the various other things, when you're out on the on the road, what are people? What has it not occurred to me to bring up that you're hearing at forums that people want to talk about? What's just uh, what what seems to be something that uh, that you're hearing a lot about that that people care about? That you think is going to be? I mean, early voting is uh, six days away, March fifth, the primary. What, well, I'll uh, tell what's... you, the, a couple. Of, I mean, we talk about all the the statewide issues, and it's the border, it's the economy, it's the schools, right? The power grid is critical. We, we need to build more. Mm-hmm more uh, natural gas plants. That's for sure. Absolutely. But then, you know, if you get out into the, into the various counties in my district, um, the, the things that, that are important there are things like a long-term water plan. We don't really have one and, and we need to come up with, with that. And that'd be a key priority for me as well as the rural hospitals have issues. And every sheriff I've talked to and a number of them have endorsed me. Um, they said they have problems where they have they, people who are mentally ill, that they just don't have a place to go with them. So these are some of the things that I'm hearing, you know, everybody you talk to, all rural towns, bitter towns, they're, they're all about the border. We all know as Texans, we got it. And that's why I say stand with the governor on standing up to Biden on the border. But then, but then the, the, the things that locally um, have to do with infrastructure, water, that's why as an engineer, I'm a civil engineer, I got it. And maybe um, after I got a, a, you know, an undergraduate degree from the Naval Academy in mechanical engineering, I was at the top of my year group. So four years later, they sent me to get a master's degree at Stanford uh, uh, in civil engineering. And I was a civil engineer co-officer with the CBs. I did uh, three tours overseas as a CB combat construction battalion commander, company commander. And um, anyway, so I, I understand as an engineer, some of the things we need to do infrastructure, roads, and, and other infrastructure to support some of the growth in this district. And, and the, But the, really, the water and the hospitals are a big topic that we need to to work on. The Senate District is 30. Brent Hagenboo, the, the uh, website is Hagenboo, Texas, H-A-G-E-N-B-U-C-H, HagenbooTX.com. Thank you, Brent. Appreciate it very much. We'll probably take a, a cycle through everybody before the early voting even starts, so it's always well, great to have you. Thank you very much. I just um, appreciate the time. You know, I, I hope that, um, you know, the Lieutenant Governor, the Governor, others have been uh, uh, giving me their vote of confidence. I sure hope your listeners will consider giving me their vote. Brent Hagenboo, Senate District 30. Thank you, Brent. 853. It's a little sappier than usual in the bumper library. Because <laughs> it's Valentine's Day, kids. Oh, goodness gracious. All right. Time to play uh, What Do We Think of That? Let me... Just one thing real quick. And then we'll hit the 9 o'clock news, come back, and share some thoughts about, about that. Uh, did Brent try to pull a there you go again on me? <laughs> cute anyway uh just more bunch more on this and a number of other things other races other things busy news day very nice glad you're here mark davis nine o'clock hour lies ahead three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.